Tua getting up slow there. Tua is struggling. Yeah, he got hit. He doesn't know where he is. Tua Tungabailoa is uncertain to play Thursday night. I'm good past whatever concussion protocol they had. Uh, it's a quick turnaround. He's going to be sacked back in his own territory. Tua's down. He got body slammed. He got thrown down. Officially now ruled as head and neck injuries. Tua, let's worry about you and your head and being a healthy human being. If I'm Tua, I'm having a real conversation about my career. You'll hear more from Tua Tungabailoa himself in just a moment. He met with the media today and did admit he contemplated retirement after all the concussions last season. We'll dive in on that as we welcome you into NFL Live today. Dan Orlovsky is here. Keyshawn Johnson, Jeff Darlington, Todd McShay will join us as well with a little bit more on the draft. We're just eight days away. Later, Dan's going to tell you which scheme is the best fit, the teams that might fit into those schemes for the top five QBs in the draft. You don't want to miss that. It's going to be special. But first, we go to Miami, okay? Tua Tungabailoa diagnosed with two concussions last season, but his injury history does date all the way back to his time at Alabama. Since 2018, Tua has undergone two ankle surgeries, suffered a dislocated hip, and has had thumb, ribs, and a finger injury. He has since cleared the concussion protocol and has shown when healthy, he can play at an elite level, leading the league in both yards per attempt and passer rating last season when healthy. Here's more from Tua today. Was there any thought about, you know, walking away or whatnot after, you know, the entire football protocol? And um, just if not, what kind of led you to have that confidence to not really consider that? Yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I considered it for for a time, um, having sat down with my family, um, having sat down with my wife and having those kind of kind of conversations. It would be hard for me to, to, to walk away from from this game with with how old I am with my my son I I always dreamed of growing you know playing as long as I could to where my son knew exactly what you know he was watching his his dad do it's it's my health it's my body it, you know I feel like this is what's best for me and 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 my family so I mean I I love the game of football if I didn't I would have quit a long time you know with with jiu-jitsu I've been thrown airborne I've been <laughs> I've been put in uh, many uncomfortable positions for for me to learn how to fall and try to you know react throughout those those positions that I'm getting uh, thrown around in. Interesting. The reference to jujitsu. We actually talked about him doing that and and learning how to fall a little bit better. But Dan, I want to go back to what he said originally there. Considering retirement, we all wondered about it when he was going through the yeah. concussions and uh, repeated concussions. What are your thoughts when you hear Tua say that? I appreciated the kind of the transparency of it. You know, we all kind of assumed to Laura's point that that conversation was going to be had. And for him to say, yes, for a certain amount of time, I, I thought about it or had those conversations with myself and my family. But then it turned quickly. And what I liked most about it was he was like, this is the best decision. I, I, I love football. Mm. And because that's been like a little bit of a narrative around Tua, like how much does he love football, the, the personality, the leadership, the, the desire. And he made it very clear, like this is a really big deal to him. He still loves playing the game at a very high level. He wants his family and his son to watch him. So I kind of like When I first heard it, Laura, I was, I was a little apprehensive because yeah. you're like, okay, your franchise quarterback is thinking about retirement. But when he, he kind of pivoted to – expressing how much football actually still means to him and the vision he has for his career, 
I actually felt motivated by the thoughts that Tua shared more than concerned or apprehensive. You know, Dan, transparency is extremely important to your teammates, your fan base, to your family, and all those sort of things. But whenever I've been around a player or anyone that has the thoughts of retirement in there, they usually retire and don't let anybody know. And that, to me, speaks volumes. If something were to happen to him again throughout the course of this season, he looks at it now and say, well, maybe I should have retired. His teammates now look at him and say, maybe you should have retired. All of those sort of things can be a major setback to an organization. Um, the fact that he thought about retiring, probably in my, in my opinion, I can't tell a man what to do, but he probably should have retired. If you're thinking about it because of your health concerns, you probably should. Keyshawn, I think there's also a point to be made, though, that the fan base, I mean, not even the fan base, national narrative has suggested since all of this happened that he should retire. So him coming out and addressing it feels like, like Dan said, just an attempt at transparency, maybe not necessarily that he feels the need to, but actually retire, but the need to actually be transparent about it. And I think one of the things that the organization has tried to do, which I think has drawn some laughter, uh, again, from the narrative, is they've tried to do things like jujitsu to at least help him figure out how to fall correctly. And maybe it is a moot point, but ultimately I think that the organization is trying to do their best to put him in a position to continue his career. Tua is at least saying, I'm going to try, I'm not just going to go into this blindly thinking that uh, I can't improve the way I fall. I'm going to try whatever I can to improve the way I fall. So ultimately, like, I think we should at least look at this from a perspective of he is trying to do the right thing, which suggests to me that he is all in about continuing his career. I, I completely agree with Jeff and disagree with you, Key. I, I think most guys that ponder retirement in this league do it because, one, they no longer love the grind or the game, and, two, they're not capable of playing at a high level. This was because of some of the, the issues or the injuries that showed up that he had a conversation with his family about. This young man is doing jujitsu. Like, think about that. He doesn't have to. He realizes the severity of it. He's been told or, or kind of guided on the aspect that this could help the one thing that might hold you back from becoming exactly what you should be. And instead of turning his head and thinking, I'm too good for it, he's embraced it. And he even kind of shed some light on the positive, at least, experiences that he's had from that. I think it's way more of an, an applaud for Tua and an encouragement by Tua than a hesitation from a locker room or front office that he's had these thoughts. Let me just Look, point out a couple things. Go ahead, Key. No, I was going to say, when, when, when guys get concussions, Dan, they continue to come. Jiu-Jitsu or any other soup ain't going to help you when you're getting hit in your head and you're hitting the ground. Uh. It just doesn't. So for me, when I look at it, I look at his health. I could care less about the football aspect of it. I'm looking at the long-term aspect of it, having played with a number of players, most notably Wayne Corbett, that had multiple concussions after the first one, over and over and over. Guys retire when they get concussions repeatedly. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, Key, we hear you, and it's a, a valid point. I do want to point out this, too. Tua Tungavailoa is 25 years old. He's also a player that 
is very thoughtful. It's also worth pointing out that right now we're in an NFL where there is an increased microscope around concussions and right. head injuries. Everybody's paying attention to it a little bit more than they did in recent years. So the questioning is there. This particular statement by Tua today was made because somebody asked him, right? We even included the question off the top of the show so that everyone could hear that context. But either way, Something to keep an eye on with him as he continues on with the Dolphins, as far as we know for now. Time now for some more top storylines from around the league. We begin in Pittsburgh. Jeff, what more can you tell us with the Steelers? Well, Laura, we know that the Steelers are finalizing the trade to acquire Rams wide receiver Allen Robinson. He, uh, the Rams will receive a 2023 seventh round pick from the Steelers in exchange for Robinson and a 2023 seventh rounder. So the Steelers trying to add a little bit of power there with Allen Robinson in the mix. Uh, not the only story that we're following today, though. Let me uh, get to our next one. We've got Trey Lance right now. Uh, a lot of talk about whether Trey Lance could be traded out of San Francisco. I can tell you, though, that I continue to hear that this is not likely to happen this offseason, that any conversations that did happen have aged a bit. And really, quite honestly, my sense of it is that the 49ers have a much higher value for Trey Lance to their organization than seemingly any other organization that would potentially provide any type of trade value. So I think Trey Lance for now staying in San Francisco. Now let's move on to Trey Flowers. Zay Flowers, I'm sorry. Zay Flowers working out with Patrick Mahomes in Texas ahead of this year's draft. The Chiefs clearly showing interest in the wide receiver, something that Flowers also clearly looking to get out there to make sure that other teams know that if they don't come to him sooner, the Chiefs very well might later in this first round. So Flowers, someone to watch as a future Patrick Mahomes target. Mahomes getting some early looks at potentially his target in 2023. Mm. Yeah, I think the Chiefs are going to look to add some sort of weapon or a few in this draft for sure, Dan. What do you think about the Chiefs having Mahomes throw with Zay Flowers and see what that actually looks like? Very uncharacteristic of teams to do that, to my yeah. knowledge. That doesn't happen often, so there, there is sincere interest. I love the fact that they included Patrick Mahomes. I think on the field, just strictly on the field, talent-wise, Zay Flowers has a lot of Antonio Brown in him. Could you imagine that type Ooh. of talent – added to this offense with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. And also, they lost Miko Hardman. So they are looking for that Swiss Army knife type of player that not only has receiver skills, but also ball in hand type of skills. Zay Flowers has a lot of those traits. This would be a scary addition to an already explosive offense. Zay Flowers yeah, up there with one of our absolute favorites in this draft when it comes to receivers. Yeah. He's so talented. Oh no, the rich get richer. Okay, we're just getting started here on NFL Live. Dan is going to take you through the top five quarterbacks in this year's draft, talking about the ideal schemes that may get the most out of the class in a dream world. Where do they land? We got OC Dan in the house. Plus, Will one of those quarterbacks end up in Atlanta? Are the Falcons sold on Ritter as their QB1? You'll hear from Ritter, and will they draft a new face for the future of their franchise? We dive into that so much more. Glad you're with us today on NFL Live. We'll be right back. Don't stop rock like Don't stop clock to break the door. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. 
That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. The final week of the XFL regular season kicks off Saturday. Doubleheader beginning at noon Eastern with the Guardians and Battlehawks on ESPN. Then it's the Defenders and Brahmas on ABC. Sunday, the Renegades hosting the Roughnecks at 3 Eastern on ESPN with the Vipers and Sea Dragons at 7 on ESPN2. It all comes down to this and the XFL Every Game, also available on ESPN+. New on NFL Live, this is in from Diana Rossini on the Allen Robinson trade becoming official. Passes physical in Pittsburgh. The trade with the Rams now solidified. So he is a Pittsburgh Steeler for sources. Thanks to Diana Rossini for that one. Mm. And uh, that just makes sneaky Steelers offense. Man, watch out for him, especially depending on who they get in the draft. All right, let's read and react. Starting in Jacksonville, where the Jaguars wide receiver Calvin Ridley spoke today about joining his new team. I remember my first day I walked in, there was no one in the in the locker room, but I was just like, wow. I'm really back in here, and so I just I'm just really grateful to be in this uh, position again, and around some great teammates, great quarterback, great coaches. Getting with Trevor, that's been great. Like with two good players, and we got a bunch of great teammates, uh, other weapons to use, and I think we got you know we're gonna, we're gonna be pretty good. We got to keep gelling, keep getting better, you know, get all the stuff out the way. But yeah, looking pretty decent right now. I'd say better than pretty decent, Dan. What does Ridley add to this offense? Reminder, everybody, before the suspension, he was on the verge of becoming a top five wide receiver in the league, one of these best route runners. If you had to ask me what this Jaguars offense needed to do to take a step forward, it needed a central figure and a scheme changer. That's what he is. They've got pieces. Jamal Agnew, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram. This now gives them a scheme change where defense is going to have to figure out that we play single eye, two eye, and it gives them a central figure to build their pass game around. I think he's going to have a tremendous season. To Buffalo, where Von Miller has been talking to DeAndre Hopkins about linking up on the Bills. Listen to this. I talk to Hop all the time, and, um, you know, it's kind of like the thing, it's kind of like the same thing with OBJ. You just never know until you know. So, Hop said he wanted to be a Buffalo Bill, and you just never know until you get – you know, that DeAndre Hopkins signature on the contract. So I don't, I'm not sure what, you know, circumstances are or, or, you know, what's what's going on with that. But I would love to see, you know, DeAndre Hopkins be here. And I would love to, you know, have his skill set on our offense with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and Dawson Knox and Gabe Davis. Like, you know, how could we lose with those guys? Well, okay then, Vaughn. Uh, Keith, what do you think about the possibility of Hopkins in Buffalo? It would be a home run for the Buffalo Bills. I think when you look at, like he mentioned Knox and he mentioned Diggs and Davis, you now have to pick your poison on the outside perimeter between Stephon Diggs. Do you double him? Do you roll the coverage to him? What do you do with DeAndre Hopkins? Do you roll the coverage to him? So now as a defensive coordinator, you got to pick your poison. The match with, imagine this, matching him with Josh Allen. The Buffalo Bills will be right back at the top. Love it. To Atlanta, where it seems like quarterback Desmond Ritter has been hearing all the talk around the Falcons needing a quarterback. Here's what he said about it. 
I have a TV in my house, so I do I do see that um, sometimes. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it puts a chip on my shoulder, but you know, at the end of the day, like I said, I can control what I can control. Um, I know at the end of the day, I'm gonna go out here and work um, and go out here and be the best player I can be, not only for myself, but for my team as well. That was kind of funny. Uh, Ritter did show some promise in four starts as a rookie, by the way, leading the Falcons to a 2-2 two and two record. But Atlanta's offense actually saw a dip in production compared to when Marcus Mariota was the starter. Overall, the Falcons offense averaged fewer points per game, less yards per play, and saw a drop-off in total QBR. It didn't always feel that way. Either way, you know, you got a great scheme guy in Arthur Smith there. But, Dan, where does Ritter stack up for you when you look at this draft class and, and you think about, okay, this is who they could get yeah. based on who they already have. I would probably put him somewhere in like the, the Will Levis world where he's probably hmm. somewhere on the fourth quarterback in this class. It's a reminder, or it's important to remind everybody kind of who he was. I do not believe that Atlanta should go up for a quarterback in this draft. Desmond Ritter coming out of school, really smart. He's got great feel in the pocket, really good plan pre-snap to post-snap. He throws in and out of windows. He's got very strong anticipation. He can drive the football. He's athletic enough where he could create on his own. You can use him some in the quarterback design run. And I think a massive advantage, he's got a full year in Arthur Smith's offense and the NFL. Mm. But if you compare him to, like, if you're Atlanta and, and a guy falls to them and you compare him to Anthony Richardson, he's got attributes that I just listed off that Anthony doesn't, but Anthony is supreme physically talent-wise. So you have to have that conversation. Or C.J. Stroud, I think C.J.'s probably better natural thrower. He's more of a precision passer than Desmond is. But I'd say Desmond's more athletic. Will Levis is probably a more powerful arm. But I don't know if Arthur Smith feels like he needs that in his offense. So I think all three of those guys, you have to have the conversation if they fall to you, if you're Atlanta. But it's not like you're getting a player that is exponentially better and or more talented uh, than Desmond Ritter outside of maybe Anthony Richardson physically. Key reminder, they yeah, pick but, at eight. Yeah, but even if you grab an Anthony Richardson, you you need time for him to even develop. Like, it's going to take time for him to come into the National Football League. And the one thing you said, Dan, he does have games underneath his belt. So he is a professional quarterback right now. And I looked at it, and I said to myself, Atlanta most likely has, when they're looking at these quarterbacks, he's somewhere in that is he one of the top five guys if he's coming out this year? You answered that by saying he's around Will Levis's. So if that's the case, why would you even look to draft a quarterback? You want to develop somebody that's already in there, who understands the offense, who understands everything. Because if you reach for one of these other quarterbacks, these guys aren't 10-year franchise superstar quarterbacks. Yes, they may be able to develop into that. But as we're watching them and looking at them, these are not some can't-miss prospects at the quarterback position. Now, I, I agree with that. I think Anthony Richardson, just because of the talent, is probably worth more of the conversation. The number that stood out as the bottom of that graphic is zero interceptions. Like, if you're Arthur Smith and one of the great offensive minds we have in the league, and don't forget, he did this without Kyle Pitts last year. Kyle Pitts was hurt when good he was point. playing. So, mm -hmm. uh, I agree that you've got a good enough roster that you feel good that you can win games with Desmond Ritter. Atlanta will win games with Desmond Ritter. But if you feel like one of these guys has the chance to not only go in and play well, but become a stud, the conversation has to be had come draft night. I just think the dilemma is going to be a little bit difficult for them at eight because you could get an offensive lineman there if they wanted to. Right. You've got all these defensive guys that could be there. Sure. Definitely, maybe 
a quarterback. We just don't know how the organization and team views the quarterback. Right. We're on the outside and, and only the, watching tape. They might sit there and go, C.J. Stroud is our number one player on the board. If he falls to us, we have to take him because we think he's the next uh, – um, we think he's next Joe Burrow. Right. Then you, then you have to do it. And – He's visiting them. Uh, also, a reminder that those visits kind of wrap up today. Then teams are doing their final boards, sure. and they're going to decide exactly who they think they would draft based on who will be available. All right, coming up next, we're going to ask Dan about the best scheme for each of the top QBs in this draft class. What will it take for each of these quarterbacks to excel in the next level? Well, Dan's going to tell you their ideal fits. What would be the dream team for each of these players? We'll be right back. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The NFL Draft is just eight days away, you guys. April 27th, 28th, 29th. We'll have every pick once again on ESPN. NFL Live will be there three to five, two-hour specials on Thursday and Friday. Don't miss that. It's also available on the NFL Network. Plus, ABC's coverage focuses on the prospect's journey to the draft. All three days, also live on ESPN Deportes, ESPN Radio, and the ESPN app. Bryce Young figures to be one of the first players taken in next week's draft. He joined Ryan Clark on the Pivot podcast to talk about his confidence for his ability on the field. There's how you think now, and then, you know, when you're running out on that other tunnel, you're on the field, you know, there's 100,000 people in the stands. Like, I think a little bit differently there. I think, you know, I think we all do. Yeah. So I, in those moments, then, you know, it's, it's, it's confidence. It's, yeah, like, you know. I'm here, like this is what it is. No, and no, not I'm to, here. I'm him. <laughs> it's I'm like him. you're you're able to still process stuff right. and not lose yourself. And I'm I'm able to to feel that confidence, but still be able to process, still be in the moment, still be able to analyze everything that's going on. But when people have those opinions or doubts, like I think everyone's entitled to them. Whatever you do, no one's gonna 100% love you. No one's gonna 100% hate you. Like I don't really feed off that. I just again, I know me. I know what I can do. And it's like if that's how you feel, like I respect it, man. By the way, check out the entire Pivot podcast with Bryce Young because you get so much of who he really is. Here's the thing, Dan. You know, it doesn't always matter how good a quarterback is, right, if they're not in the right scheme. A big portion of their success at the NFL level is based on the scheme. So let's go through the top five quarterbacks and the scheme that would be ideal for them. We begin with Bryce Young. What are the ideal elements the team that drafts Young? First of all, a little bit of a spread-out formation and your shotgun-centric to allow him to have the vision to see see the field. The second thing is the structured short 
passing game, almost like point, playing point guard. Catch and throw with premier ball placement. And then the third thing is cre creativity built in to their chunk pass game. I think of what Patrick Mahomes has had in Kansas City in regards to this. Spread out, a little bit like Joe Burrow, have vision, the structured pass game, get the ball in your hands, and then you got to allow that athleticism and or creativity to be a part of your chunk pass game the same way that Kansas City did for Patrick. Yeah, Bryce Young had 115 completions of 20-plus yards from the shotgun formation over the last two seasons at Alabama, the most of any quarterback in the FBS. Let's bring in Todd McShay here for a little bit more. And, Todd, we know Bryce Young firmly in the mix for number one overall to Carolina. Do you think that that would be a good fit for him based on what Dan's talking about here on Ideal Scheme? I do. I, I think Frank Reich is going to do a good job of bringing in Bryce Young and kind of tailoring things to, to what he wants to do. I, I think this is a perfect place for him. And I think Bryce Young, he's Houdini to me. I mean, even when he's not playing in structure, which he can play very well in and effectively, he creates after the, the initial play breaks down. He'll go through his progression reads one, two, three. And then his ability to, to stress the defense, teasing him almost at times. You know, I'm going to run the football. I'm rolling out to the right. I'm climbing the pocket. And then in the very last second, he sees things that most young quarterbacks don't see. Yeah. His ability to get rid of the ball at the last second before he takes a hit is what makes him special. Uh, I think Josh McCown being on the staff and a mm. little bit close to the college game matters. Mm -hmm. And then Thomas Brown, their offensive coordinator, who experienced a little bit of spread out football with the Rams last year, which Stafford, I think, is an also element when it comes to the ideal situation. It sure seems like Bryce Young's going to be number one overall, but we'll wait and see eight yeah. days away from finding out. How about C.J. Stroud, the ideal scheme to bring the most out of him at the next You level. want to give him a bunch of different plays to go to the line of scrimmage and figure out what the defense is in and then get you guys into ideal situations. The second thing, attacking seams and or moving targets. Andy Reid is notorious for this because he thinks attacking the seam is where the lesser pass coverage defenders are. That's a great situation for him. And, and then building the rhythm in his feet. He's such a rhythmic passer. It's very West Coast offense. I think of potentially a Detroit Lions type of offense is a really good situation for C.J. Stroud when it comes to those three qualities. Interesting. No Power 5 quarterback averaged more yards per attempt when throwing against zone coverage than C.J. Stroud over the last two seasons. Mm. Todd, which team do you think is the best fit for Stroud? I don't know about best fit right now. I'm just trying to figure out where he's going to go. And <laughs> we thought forever it was going to be Houston, right? right. You know, if, if Young goes one and Houston's taking Stroud at two. And now we're hearing all this information that it might not be Houston. They might take Will Anderson. They might take Tyree Wilson, edge guys, or they could trade out of that spot. I think it would be interesting if he wound up in Tennessee. I think Tennessee is a, is a team that is quietly lurking around. Mike Vrabel, I was there pro day. Mike Vrabel came home and said, hey, I'll meet you in Heartlines. Go take a shower. I'll meet you in Heartlines meeting room. Let's hmm. talk. You know, I, I want to get to, you know, get some more information from you. I'm, listen, it's just one interview, one meeting. But obviously, there's history there with the Ohio State connection. Wherever he goes, I agree with Dan. He's got to be a structured offense. Allow him to work with inside the pocket because he's an absolute sniper when he has time and a little bit of a little bit to work with in terms of his wide receivers down the field. He's the best pure pocket passer yeah. in this class. The, the Raiders are also a lot of fit. Yeah. I mean, Josh McDaniel's offense is notorious yeah. for get to line of scrimmage. You've got a bunch of different options. I think that's a CJ strength. Yeah, Titans might have to go up from 11. Sure. They're not getting him. I don't think he falls that far for sure. Okay, this gets really interesting. Anthony Richardson, tell us a scheme fit for him at the next level that's ideal. Number one, you have to play 11 on 11 football. You have to be able to utilize quarterback run and RPO just like the way we saw 
Philadelphia do last year with Jalen Hurts because it allows his growth to be a little bit expedited. Play action pass chunk plays. He's a very talented guy. I think he's really good in the play action game and seeing the field. And then middle field open, middle field closed based pass concepts. Gary Kubiak was great at this. Hey guys, when you're a young player, it's two safeties. We're going to work a middle field open concept to your right. One safety in middle field. We'll work a middle field closed concept to our left. That's the best situation for him. This number may surprise you. Anthony Richardson posted a higher QBR off play action last season than Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, and Will Levis. So it, really? there are numbers that totally. show that Richardson can be better in some ways. I realize, Todd, that so much of this is going to be based around scheme for all these quarterbacks, but maybe most importantly for Richardson is the fit. So along those lines, what's on your mind there? I'd like to see him in Indianapolis. I think Shane Steichen would be great for him. He's worked with Jalen Hurts. He's worked with uh, Justin Herbert. I, I think that would be a, a perfect spot. I'm having the hardest time with any of these quarterbacks. And Will Levis, I keep hearing to Indianapolis as a possibility. We know about Bryce Young going one. C.J. Stroud, if it's not Houston, we got some possibilities there with Vegas and maybe uh, Tennessee moving up. I haven't found one rumor, one person in the league that's, saying, that's placing Richardson with a team. So I, maybe he drops. Maybe he gets to 19 with Tampa Bay. But I go back to Steichen. I would love to see Anthony Richardson with a, a quarterback coach who's now a head coach, who's an offensive coordinator, Jalen Hurts, and with Justin Herbert. I, I just think that that would be a perfect marriage. I, I agree on Indy. And the, here, here's just the truth. You have to be an offense that will utilize quarterback run. If hmm. you're not – then I think you're yes. wasting his talent. Yes. Yeah, it, it's too dynamic. You got to be able to use that part of it. Hey, by the way, you'll be shook if he falls all the way to 19. I'm going to have a rough, rough couple days. <laughs> have a rough night. All right, let's talk about Levis. It's been a tape that's a little bit difficult to sure. evaluate. So what scheme is the best fit uh, for him in the NFL? First of all, under center. He's a guy that has a lot of experience. But the second is changing the launch point. Think of what Sean Payton used to do with Drew Brees and some of their under center play action stuff to kind of give him the opportunity. And then the vertical stretch shots and in-breakers. He's got a big, powerful arm. I think of how Justin Herbert, as a rookie, started his career, the launch point change, and the different three-level concepts that allowed him to push the ball downfield and show off that big arm. Yeah, you know about that strong arm for sure, and Todd's seen plenty of that. Todd, when you think about Levis, you said you're hearing Indianapolis for him. What makes sense in your mind, especially when it comes to scheme? Yeah, I'm going to go back to Steichen again. Like, and, and you just mentioned it, Dan. You know, Justin Herbert was was with Steichen early in his career, and, and I think changing the launch point, yes. I, I think also he needs the game simplified. Like, look what Brian Dayball did for Josh Allen early in his career and what Brian Dayball did this past year uh, with Danny Dimes, your boy. To me, uh, you know, Daniel Jones only makes that progression because of the coaching, and I think Jalen Hurts was helped because of Steichen. Will Levis, for all the football he's played, Penn State and then Kentucky, he still needs some developing. He has some aspects of his game in terms of inside the pocket, yes. protecting his body. I think he's got to become more flexible with, with his upper body. There's some things that he has to work on. So I think having a coach that can really work with him one-on-one -on -one to get the most out of him will help him a lot like Josh Allen and, and Danny Dimes had in, the last, in their last stops with uh, – with Brian Dayball. The, those second two, the two last bullet points I had, changing of the launch point, which helps quarterbacks see because you're further away from the offensive line, and usually there's built-in yes. passing windows, and then those kind of shot concepts, those are simplified. It's one to two to three, and it's usually cut the field in half. If Houston's going to run the San Francisco scheme, Bobby Slowick comes over from San Francisco as the play caller, that's an ideal situation. Mm. I could see Tennessee as well. 
I'll go back. Detroit is a very quarterback-friendly offense for a guy that he has kind of his skill set. And listen, maybe Detroit does take a quarterback. Never they, know. They've got Jared Goff, but down the road, give a guy some time sure. to sit around. All right, let's get to Hendon Hooker because he's been rumored to potentially move into the first round, certainly in the mix for one of these top five quarterbacks. What's an ideal scheme fit for him? Uh, leveled concepts. What I mean by that is like you got to have a guy at 25 yards, 15, and then five because he's got the ability to be a touch thrower and get it in and over drop defenders. Attack the middle of the field. He's got great vision to see kind of in between those hashes. He lived there at Tennessee this past year. And then tempo change. Use that as a strength for your offense. He was a part of it at Tennessee. They ran a bunch of snaps as much as possible and then occasionally pulled it back. I think that could be an added element to allow him to thrive. You think about some of the accuracy that he displayed and People can say it's a scheme, but at Hinton Hooker threw 34 touchdowns to four interceptions between the numbers there you go. over his last two seasons at Tennessee. That's the best touchdown to interception ratio on such passes in this year's draft class. It, Todd, I think there are probably more positives about Hinton Hooker than people realize because they look at the age, they look at the injury, yes. but where do you see Hooker going? I think a perfect fit would be Minnesota. And I say that because of the situation. You got Kirk Cousins turning 35 this summer, 23rd in, in QBR this past season, not showing up in big games and big moments, and one year left on his contract. So I think Hendon Hooker will need a year, but it can't push off into two years and three years. Mm -hmm. That's why we talk about Seattle, Geno Smith. I'd rather see him with one year, get recovered from the ACL, get adjusted from that Tennessee scheme to the NFL, and then he becomes the starter moving into 2024. I don't hate Minnesota. I also think Tampa Bay could be in the conference. You need to have an offensive mind that does think a little yep. bit outside the box because that's where Hendon played his best football under Josh Heupel. That's a little bit unique scheme-wise. I yep. think if you have a coach on your staff that brings that, that allows him to kind of be in a really favorable situation. Yeah, Dave Canales, who worked with Geno Smith with the Seahawks there in Tampa Bay. That was excellent, guys. Really interesting stuff. Thanks to Todd. Thanks to Dan. Still to come on NFL Live, Seattle, speaking of them, had an amazing 2022 draft. But now they'll look to carry that momentum into Kansas City. We'll hear from Pete Carroll on why Seahawks fans should be excited about what's to come. It's all coming your way. You can't get this anywhere else, okay? Stick around for more NFL Live. Come on. We got to do it again. We got to do it again. You got me singing again. Don't let this finish. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight. S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be.
So I have five older sisters, Shantae, Shanice, China, India, and Taria. They had a great impact on my life. They did a tremendous job of, you know, being, or I would say having five moms in the house. One minute they want a baby you, then the next minute they want to boss you around, but it was fun growing up. When I was younger, my sister China dropped a dumbbell on my toe. I don't remember what I had did to her, but all I know is that uh, I had made her mad. And I guess since she was so upset, she decided to take it out in a different type of way that siblings don't normally do. And she just dropped it on my toe and it broke. So, yeah. <laughs> my message to my sister would be, thank y'all for helping raising me helped me be the man I am today, teaching me so many different lessons. Will Anderson, such an incredible story. Wait till you see more of his personality, too, at the draft. It's surefire top 10 pick, okay? So, Todd McShay, tell us why a team will be making a smart decision if they draft him next week. Because Will Anderson's the hardest working player in the entire 2023 NFL draft class. That's why. And his skill set's great. He's, yeah, he's sawed off. He's a little shorter than ideal as an edge. But he's has the most pressures of any edge in the last two years. He's got the 28 sacks, most sacks of any, any uh, pass rusher in college football the last two years. But I go back to talking to Nick Saban. I've talked to Nick for almost 20 years now, during the season pre-draft about his players, probably over 150 players. I've heard him speak glowingly about probably 100 of those guys, right? I have never heard him speak about a player like he did Will Anderson. He said he's a throwback. He's like, guys, I used to play with. I would ask him to do something. He would run through a wall for me. And he even finished by saying, this guy, Todd, is a dog-ass competitor. I've never seen him just glow like he did talking about Will Anderson. And that guy's the best in the business, the best that ever did it in college football. I'm going to trust Nick Saban, and I'm going to take Will Anderson and sleep real well after the first night of the draft. Yeah, I've heard some of the same things from Saban on Will Anderson. I'm not sure if he's loved a player as much as he loves Will, which is saying a lot considering some of the mm. great ones that have gone through Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Thanks, Todd, for all that. That's great. Uh, let's look at the Seahawks just a little bit. They're interesting. They hit a grand slam with their 2022 draft class. Okay, drafting running back Kenneth Walker. He led all rookies in both rush yards and rushing touchdowns. Cornerback Tariq Woolen, who impressed everybody, recording six interceptions, tied for the most of any player in the league. And then they also drafted their starting bookend tackles in Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas, who combined for the 13th best pass block win rate of any tandem tackles in the league. Seattle GM John Schneider and head coach Pete Carroll spoke about their draft plans as we close in on the draft week. John, you said you anticipate like when teams going to start calling the trade up for five. If they do that, that'll be like a next week thing. Yeah. Five. But that'd be some like exploratory conversations that start next week as well if those started already. Yeah, you literally just go right down like, you know, by by division. I start with my, my guys that I'm closest with, right? But yeah, making the calls by division. So that, you know, um, you have we have broad strokes of what, you know, parameters might be because you know, at the end of the day, on, on draft day, you know, you can use all the charts you want and all that kind of stuff. And there's a million charts now um, that different teams use. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's, you know, how bad do you want want the player? How bad do you want to move you, in terms of moving up or, 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 or going back? By the way, in Todd McShay's most recent mock draft, he does have Jalen Carter going to the Seahawks mm. with that fifth pick. We know Seattle is going to be in the mix for quarterbacks, but... 
if the guy they want at QB isn't there at yeah. five, how else can they r improve their roster, Dan, to take the next step in the next season? Uh, how do we beat San Francisco and how do we catch Philly? That, that has to be kind of like the, the banner. And I look at an offense that's pretty talented and a defense that gave up 24 points a game. If you don't think that San Francisco and Philly are both going to be strong on the interiors of their offensive and defensive line, you're kidding yourself. So I look at their defense, and I go to their defensive line and go, you better get stronger up front because Philadelphia's offensive line is back, and San Francisco will be them. So I, I just – you've got to go attack the line of scrimmage. You've got to figure out what's going on with Jamal Adams, you know, potentially. But the, the, the defensive line talent has to be at a premium for Seattle if the quarterback that they want is not there. That's the only way that they can close the gap, go from playoff team to NFC championship contender. Hmm. Yeah, I think we look at them and we say they need a quarterback because Geno Smith is not long for the future. We, we look at that. But how did Pete Carroll win a Super Bowl? He won it on defense. So if that quarterback that we think isn't there, they'll go defense. I'm almost 100% sure they'll start to look at the Jalen Carters. And for some reason, somebody's there. If Will Anderson slips it in for some odd reason, they'll look at that as well. You got to think about it. They went out and got Bobby Wagner. They went out and got Julian Love. They're starting to shape this thing defensively because they, we saw what they did last year offensively. We know that Geno Smith is more than capable, but they got to be able to stop people on the defensive side of the ball much like Dan is saying, they're going up against a gauntlet of big offensive lines in San Francisco, in Philadelphia, the Dallas Cowboys to a degree. So if they want to get back in this strong mix of making strong runs in the playoffs, it starts on the defensive side of the ball. I said this to Mina a couple weeks ago. Who was the last player for Seattle defensively that changed the way that offense looked at their defense? It's been years since they had the Michael Bennett's or the Cam Chancellor's or um, – you know, a Cliff Averill, they have to find somebody in their front seven that makes offenses and Kyle Shanahan and Philadelphia's Brian Johnson, their new coordinator, go, what are we going to do about this guy? Mm. They don't have that right now in their front seven, and they got to find it. Yeah, if you check out Mina Kimes' Twitter anytime, you'll see that she's just praying that Will she's Anderson into Jr. The universe. <laughs> comes to them too. I don't know if he's still going to be there, especially if Houston takes him at two. He All right, we got more be there coming your way. Yeah, they're, they're, well, yeah, good that's, job. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Matt. Uh, when we come back, Dak Prescott and Jalen Hurts have now secured their money in futures with their team. But how do the Cowboys now close the gap and take over the Eagles in the East? Plus, Dak wants some money for Lamar Jackson. He'll explain. Smart Decision is brought to you by Nerd Wallet, the smartest decision for all your financial decisions. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. We're back on NFL Live. Some big news this week with Jalen Hurts signing a new deal. $255 million for the Eagles quarterback. It includes $179 million and some change guaranteed, according to Adam Schefter. Elsewhere in the NFC, Dak Prescott reacted to the news on Schefter's podcast. 
Yeah, congratulations. Uh, proud of him. Uh, I hosted Jalen on a visit way back in Mississippi State years ago, and uh, a fan of uh, the guy that uh, the way he plays the game. Not a fan of his team and and when they have success necessarily, but uh, a fan of him and the way that he approaches it. Um, and just somebody that was counted out early because of his play style and just has had success and uh, trusted himself, trusted in the process, and I'm proud of him, and he deserves every bit of it. He went on to say he hopes that Lamar Jackson is paid and paid more, but that's a whole other story. Three NFC East quarterbacks have secured their bag, but how their contracts are laid out is quite different, okay? According to Adam Schefter, Hurts cap hit oh this upcoming season just north of <laughs> $6 million. His cap hit in 2024, 13.6 mil. That's significantly less, as you see there, than Dak Prescott and Daniel Jones, who will be accounting for $20-plus million in cap space this season and over $40 million in 2024. In fact, only Deshaun Watson has a larger cap hit than Prescott in 2024. And just in case you're wondering, reason why that matters is because that affects how the rest of the team can be set up and how they can be built. It's why Dan has his mouth open like that. Yo, so, Dan, <laughs> I know. That's $45 more million dollars in comparison to Dallas. Crazy. 35 more than the Giants. And it's smart by these quarterbacks who say, yeah, I'm going to take a lower cap hit for the team if I can. <laughs> anyway, all right. We see how the quarterback contracts look over the next two years. How can Dallas, especially considering that, close the gap on the Eagles between now and the start of the season with Hurts having a much lower cap hit than Dak? Speed, speed, speed. Uh, we, we just talked about Seattle and, like, how do they close San Francisco or Philly? It was like you got to build your trenches. Dallas's trenches are solid. They're not – they've won 12 games two years in a row. Dan Quinn, speed on defense. And I think about – the Super Bowl in Kansas City versus Philadelphia. Really, what was the difference in that game? It was the uh, dynamic playmaking and speed on Kansas City's offense. I know Patrick was there, but for an offense that, you know, CeeDee Lamb, he's not this speedster playmaker. Brandon Cooks is going to bring an element of that. Pollard, hopefully healthy, brings enough. But I think of an offense with a, a difference maker, a tight end. Maybe it's Michael Mayer, who's not maybe the, the speed-centric tight end, but a full, complete guy. Bijan Robinson has been linked to there because they, they need to get faster because you're not in one draft going to catch Philadelphia on the line of scrimmage. You won't. So the only other alternative is if you can't go through them, going around them. And Dallas is built like that with Dan Quinn defensively. Offensively, I think it's a better way to get Dak Prescott playing at a really high and consistent level as well. Look, their biggest need for me is the tight end position, then the running back spot, and then they can find a vertical stretch guy to pair with Brandon Cooks and C.D. Lamb to lift the coverage. You get explosive plays out of that, and I think that's the way the Dallas Cowboys should be looking. This draft is loaded with tight ends. They don't have to get a guy in the first round. They can find the tight end and develop them. They didn't take Jason Witten into the second round. So there are tight ends there to get. In terms of the running back position, they can find a running back in the later round. Although Bijan is the top guy, they don't have to take him in the first round to build this team. Yeah, when you think about some of the players that may be available for them in later rounds, Dan, does anybody stick out to you, some of those tight ends? I mean, Michael Meyer has been uh, mocked to them a few times. I, I like Meyer there, I do, because mm -hmm. if you are that offense, you need a complete tight end, not, not a pass catcher singularly and not a run blocker singularly. You need the guy that can do it all in Mike McCarthy's offense. I think Michael Mayer or Bijan Robinson in that first round pick makes the best and most sense for Dallas. I don't think Jerry Jones is going to be able to resist Bijan if he's there. He's going to face the Texas guy. If, if he's there. Somebody hasn't already taken him. Hey, we'll see tomorrow at NFL Live. We're getting closer to the draft. Thanks for tuning in. 
Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.